Hey everyone, and welcome to the Flatlining Podcast from Fulcrum Strategies. I'm Matthew Handley, and with me is our president and CEO, Ron Howergan. Ron, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, it's uh, There's snow here in, in northern Michigan. I, I don't think you're dealing with that already in North Carolina, but uh, we're heading into that time of the year where things are cooling off and slowing down on the payer side of things. Uh, and I, I hope that there's a break coming, Ron. What do you think? <laughs> I hope so, too. Hey, we, d- we deserve at least a little bit of downtime. I'm not sure it's coming, but I hope so. <laughs> well, uh, one thing that uh, we can slow down on a little bit is worrying about the commercial side of Humana, uh, Humana's insurance. And mm-hmm. I bring this up. This isn't necessarily new news, but there's another story I want to get to uh, in a minute but I want to start by talking about Humana because I've got clients. I'm sure you have clients, Ron. I know our, mm-hmm. our other uh, negotiators of Fulcrum Strategies have clients that are, you know, wondering why they shouldn't be pursuing Humana commercial plans right now. And there's a pretty good reason for that. So why don't you let me know what it is? Yeah. So basically, Humana Corporate has decided decided a while ago to exit the commercial market and to be exclusively in the Medicare market. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're giving up all their commercial licenses. Effective January 1st, they will not be a uh, commercial insurance. They won't be selling individual or employer group insurance anymore. They'll be exclusively in the Medicare market. Um, And the thing that's, I think, and in the next story, we'll also point out this very thing. The thing that I take from this is this. Um, It just shows that these companies are not committed to, um, to healthcare or really to insurance, they're committed to where it's profitable. Right. And what Humana realized is that really their commercial product was never going to be very profitable. It carried with it a bunch of risk and no profit. So why do it? So mm-hmm. they basically are getting out of it and forcing what customers they had to pick somebody else. Um, and and that's really the thing to understand. It, it's a little bit like um, there's a there's an old saying about when you look at your breakfast plate, and you look at the eggs and the bacon, the chicken was involved, but the pig was committed. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, these insurance companies are involved in healthcare, but they're not committed to it. Right. Um, and that's why Humana decided to back out. Uh, last week in the Friday Pulse Check, uh, we I shared the, the two uh, insurance companies' quarter three profits as they were released, and that was Humana and Cigna. Uh, Humana's quarter three profit this year was $832 million, which was actually down 30% year over year. Um, do you think that that has a, do you think they're seeing a downtick in their profit has a, has anything to do with them getting out of the commercial, the commercial space? Well, I think them getting out of the commercial space is part of the reaction to them knowing their profit was going to downtick. You know, that's the, that's going to be their solution because their commercial business wasn't profitable. Um, and so it's time to get rid of it. Um, and it, it also shows that, you know, again, and that this is fine. These companies are all about maximizing shareholder investment. It's what they should be. They're for-profit companies. That's what you want companies who, you know, we have in our 401ks, et cetera, to do. Um, and it's what they should do. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to healthcare, it sort of feels uncomfortable right. because there are employers who used Humana for their health insurance who now have to go somewhere else because it's no longer an option. Mm-hmm. I think this is a good time to bring up something that we've talked about on this podcast before, and I know we've talked to our clients before about it, is this is a this is a very good example as to why it's generally a good idea to keep your payer contracts paying at relatively close rates. Because uh-huh. as you just mentioned, all those people that are that have employer-based insurance from Humana, they're gonna be going somewhere else in January. 
And if you right. and if half of them go to Aetna and half of them go to Blue Cross and those contracts are wildly different, well, now you're going to have a wildly different uh, revenue stream coming in from, from those patients. Right. It's it's you're going to see the same patient at a different reimbursement um, and you don't control that. And so you're right. If, you know, for example, if, you know, where those Aetna patients ended up was a payer that was paying you significantly less, you've got a revenue problem next mm-hmm. year that you didn't do anything to, you know, to cause. Right. Now, I guess one thing that a lot of people think about is, is how is it that the the government programs, Medicare, Medicaid, how are those so much more profitable? Uh, and, and we know that all the, the payers make most of their profit off of those. How are they so much more profitable than the commercial plans? Well, and, and what I would say is they're more profitable right now. Um, they didn't used to be. Years ago, they weren't. And that's why there weren't as many people in that Medicare Advantage stuff as there is now. And if that changes in the future, you'll watch these payers exit that market as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, 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 without getting into the gory details, and there are a lot of them, um, the insurance companies did a very good job of lobbying the government to create a structure um, that um, is very profitable for them. And it has to do with uh, a number of things that they can do to show that their patients are more severe, where they can get additional um, additional dollars where they can show what they perceive to be improvements in quality and that kind of stuff where they can get additional dollars. So it's, it's a little bit like um, having a decent base salary, but then an awful lot of, well, here's, here's a great analogy. It'd be like being a sports star and having a, a decent salary, but you have all these accelerators. Oh, if we, you know, if I, pitch 30 games, I get this many more millions of dollars. If I'm an all-star, I get this. If I'm this, I get this. They've got a lot of those sort of bonus provisions in their reimbursement from the government that they've been able to maximize. And it's a very profitable line of business right now. Right. One thing I like to, to take a look at just because it's something that I think is is fascinating to me is is TV ad share because we're in that open enrollment period where we're starting to see a lot of the, the TV ads uh, come through for for Medicare Advantage plans for Obamacare plans. Um, now the Kaiser Family Foundation looked into this uh, a while ago, so this is data from last year. But uh, Humana had about eight percent of all Medicare Advantage ads, uh, despite only having eighteen percent of Medicare Advantage patients. Uh, some of the bigger ones were United and Blue Cross. They were in the twenty five and twenty nine percent. Excuse me, they were in the twenty six and eleven percent range. So it, it varies. Uh, Humana was on par with about Cigna and, and and Aetna, but you know obviously those those Medicare Advantage ads work. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing them. Um, do you think that you know? I hate to ask because because they're almost as bad as political ads sometimes. Do you think we're going to start seeing more from Humana? Um, Humana has always had a slightly different business model on how they attract the Medicare Advantage um, customers. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't required as much on the sort of the ads and word of mouth, et cetera. Um, they do a lot more direct sales. Remember, these customers are individual sales. It's not like you get a whole employer group and you get all their employees. It's one on one. Right. Yep. One of the things Humana has done in the past is, is going to places like nursing homes, skilled nursing facilities, places where you sort of can walk through and try to make that individual sale. Um, They also have done some stuff with um, medical groups where they've, you know, they've helped had them help with the marketing. So I'm not sure we're going to see more out of Humana Um, there that previous model has tended to work, but you bring up a good point. Uh, 
you know, if this wasn't so profitable, you wouldn't see them, you know, these companies spending any money on these mm-hmm. TV ads. Um, they want those members because they are very profitable. Yep. And one one final point on Humana, because a couple of weeks ago, we had a conversation about some of these co-branded Medicare Advantage plans and, and their rising popularity. And I know Humana, at least in the eastern half of the United States, runs the uh, or administers the TRICARE network for military services. Mm-hmm. Um, they are now doing a co-branded product with USAA Bank and Auto Insurance for um, people affiliated with the military, either by descent or uh, the, the bank with USAA by offering a Medicare Advantage product co-branded with with that bank. So I don't know what the what the details are of it or what any of the advantages are, but I thought that was a uh, Rather interesting to see that pop up given their re- relationship with Tricare. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of these companies will have some sort of a co-branded, you know, between AARP or any of these mm-hmm. other things, and it's just a different distribution channel, a way to get access to, you know, more potential customers. The next story I want to talk about, Ron, uh, I think is interesting because uh, it's the exact opposite of what's happening for Humana, and that is an exclusive report published yesterday in Reuters uh, that. Cigna is exploring selling its Medicare Advantage business. Um, I, I assume you had time to read this report, Ron. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about why a huge company like Cigna, because they're one of the really big ones, why they would want to um, sell that part of their business right now. Well, so in, in one say, sense, this is a the you know the different side of the same coin. This shows that the insurance companies are really only interested in populations that they can make money on. Cigna has made a determination, and I think I know some of the reasons, that Medicare Advantage is not going to be its mainstay. It's not going to be the deliver the kind of profits that they need. And in some respects, they've come to the decision, you know, that this may be the most valuable this product is for them, and that's why they're going to sell it. Um, now, you think, well, gosh, what, what what's so different about Cigna than United? or than Aetna or than Humana. Well, Cygnus had a long history of having difficulty with um, implementing its Medicare products. Um, Back in 2016, Cigna actually, and this is extremely rare, got sanctioned by CMS who told them they could not sell this product for a while. They sort of got put on probation. Mm -hmm. And the, the report from CMS was really, really direct and damning. Um, Prior to that, Cigna, to try to beef up its Medicare, had bought a company called HealthSpring, and they were going to use that to sort of build their Medicare product. So in the report, when CMS sort of sanctioned them, one of the things they said, and I mean, listen to the language of this coming from the government, Cigna has a long-standing history of non-compliance with CMS requirements, the agency said. Hmm. Cigna has received numerous notices of non-compliance warning letters and corrective action plans from CMS over the past several years. A number of these notices were for the same violations discovered during the audit, demonstrating that Cigna has not corrected issues of non-compliance. Now, coming from a, from a government entity, that's some pretty strong language. Yeah. Long-standing history of non-compliance. So they got through that. They had to spend a bunch of money. They finally could sell the product again. And then after a while... Lo and behold, they run into trouble again. Recently, Cigna reached an agreement with CMS uh, to pay a penalty of $172 million 
because it violated the False Claims Act by submitting incorrect Medicare Advantage patient data. This is what I talked about, these sort of bonus drivers. Basically, Cigna falsified information to CMS claiming that their patients are more severe so they could get higher reimbursement. Got caught doing it and had to pay $172 million fine. Mm -hmm. Given their population, that's almost $300 for every single Medicare member they have. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm guessing here that part of the reason why Cigna is wanting to sell this unit is one, because they've never been very successful at it, not like the others. They continue to sort of stub their toe with it. And two, this last fine um, being another example of Cigna trying to defraud CMS. Um, is probably a little bit like getting caught really screwing up your taxes. Yeah. The good the good bet is you will probably get audited every year after this. Once, you know, once the IRS figures out that you've been trying to game them, in all likelihood they're going to audit you every year and my guess is Cigna realizes that the gig's up. And so rather than do what they need to do to do this business well, they'll just sell it. Because again, they're not committed to that breakfast plate. They're only involved. Yeah. And they can get uninvolved, which is what they're doing. In that same report that looked at the the TV ads, Cigna had more TV ads than Humana did, but they only, you know, they as what we we're talking about with them not being able to to roll it out very well. They only have two percent of Medicare Advantage patients uh, right. in this country. Uh, as uh, I say, in this country, as if they have Medicare Advantage in other countries. Uh, sometimes I got to laugh at myself. Um, <laughs> Cigna, as I reported last week in the Friday Pulse check, they saw a $1.3 billion profit in quarter three. That was up 8% year over year. And their total members is up 9.5% year over year, nearly 9.5%. Now, of course, upon this news from Reuters, their stock prices dropped 4% today. Uh, And as we were talking about before, guess which company has seen their stock price jump by 3% today? That would be Humana Healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I mean, I, I don't know. I, go ahead. You sound like you're about to say something. Go ahead. Well, so the the interesting thing with all this is going to be who's the buyer going to be? Mm-hmm. Because the sale is going to be worth billions. I mean, this is not a small sale, okay? But they're going to have a problem with whoever they sell it to. And the problem is going to be the FTC approving it because of market consolidation. That may be the thing that creates their biggest issue. Not that somebody wouldn't want to buy it. There are a lot of people that would like to buy 600,000 Medicare members. Mm -hmm. It's whether or not they can get it through the FTC um, under sort of market consolidation or antitrust issues. So right now you've got United Healthcare, which is uh, at the time the report that I looked at, they were the largest Medicare Advantage insurer, about 29% Mm -hmm. of all enrollees. And then you have... um, You've got uh, you got the mix of the blues, which is at fourteen percent, and Humana at eighteen percent, Aetna mm-hmm. at eleven percent. So, do you think that in order for them to sell it, in Centene's at twelve, do you think they've got to find one of these smaller ones? You know, because there's a lot of small ones out there, or maybe even Kaiser Permanente with only six percent of the the current patients. Yeah, so um, I don't see Kaiser being a buyer because Kaiser's not national, okay. and this is a national plan. To me, there there are two potential buyers, and we'll see how right I am. Um, there's human or there's Aetna, and then there's um, Centene. Okay. I don't think Humana can pull it off because I think it creates too much market consolidation. Maybe Humana is in the running. I bet it's Aetna CVS that wants it now. 
understand that Aetna tried to buy Humana mm-hmm. and couldn't. That deal got killed by the FTC because of market consolidation. Um, and it failed what's called the Herfin. Now, this is when I'm going to get really economically geeky <laughs> now, and I apologize. It failed what's called the Herfindahl-Hirschman Index, which is a, a mathematical calculation of market consolidation. Um, now, if you think about Cigna with its penetration and Aetna, remember Aetna was trying to buy Humana, that one might get through. And But I, I think there's no way it can be united. I don't think it can be the Blues. Kaiser isn't national. Maybe Centene, but Centene isn't national. This would make them national. Um, well, and, and to throw them with Centene, too, they, they're already under the watch of CMS after having to, yeah. to repay a ton of Medicaid money in several states. Right. So, right. so that one's going to be a bit problematic. But, yeah, if, if I were in Vegas right now and betting on the odds on who it is, I'd say Adna. Okay. Even, even as... You know, there's already the scrutiny of them being owned by a by a pharmacy retail giant. You don't think that that would give consternation well, to the FTC? It, probably not, because, you know, that's a different type of integration. And it's also part of why they would want it. You know, it feeds the beast. It feeds CVS because, you know, seniors get a lot of prescriptions, which is yep. the other part of, of their business. Um, the the Herfindahl-Hirschsperm Index looks at market consolidation within that product. And so what they're going to look at is consolidation in the Medicare Advantage marketplace, both pre and post merger or acquisition, and see if it elevates the number too high. It's not a black white thing. It's not like if you hit over, you know, if the number is over 2,500, it's an automatic no, it's more of a grayscale. And, you know, if you get to the point where some something is called moderately concentrated, FTC can still approve it. It just gets a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and the higher the number, the, you know, the harder, harder it gets. Let me ask you this. And I know we're about out of time, but I, I want to get mm-hmm. this in there. Cause I mentioned the stock price earlier and Cygnus stock price yesterday dropped at, at around 4% on the news. Mm-hmm. Um, when it, you would think in my head, I'm thinking that Cigna is getting rid of a, of a product that they have determined is not going to be profitable for them in the long term. It's not hitting the marks that they would want. So by selling it, um, I would think that they would have saw a uh, a stock price bump because they're going to be focusing more on their profitable products, namely their commercial business. So why why do we see a, a bump in their stock price like this uh, on the news that they're selling? Other than maybe it just wasn't released by them and it was leaked by a couple of employees and to uh, Reuters, you know, what's what's the deal with that? Why did their stock price go down? Yeah, why, why, um, when yeah. it seems like they're going to focus on more profitable things. I, to me, it makes all the sense in the world. Okay. When you think about what the market does and what the market's trying to do is predict, you know, future performance. All right, look at Cigna. They just had a $172 million fine for messing up with CMS. Mm-hmm. They're talking about getting out of a line of business that everybody else sees as very profitable. Boy, that sound, and, and they've had serious trouble trying to do that. And multiple occasions. So that sounds like a company that doesn't really know what it's doing real well, not well managed. Oh, yeah. And there was that whole ProPublica article thing that they're now getting yep. sued on also for true. massive denials. And so I think what the market is starting to look at in Cigna is going, look, you're in an industry that is like the goose that lays the golden eggs. I mean, you look at United, United stock price at 400 and some dollars a share, mm-hmm. and you can't seem to figure this out. 
And I think what it's showing is the market starting to get concerned that maybe Cigna is not a very well-run company. They seem to be getting in trouble everywhere they go. They can't figure out what is the most profitable line of business and have to get out of it. Um, I'm not really predicting a bright future for them. So that's, you know, I think that's what the the reflection is there is the market going just another example of Cigna not being able to get their, you know, their act together. Um, yeah. And, and I think it's well-earned, you know, when you look at all the different things that, you know, that they've gotten in trouble for and they're under scrutiny of or being sued on, mm-hmm. um, they don't have their act together. Yep. And to look at it big picture, too, because it's always it's, you know, looking at it day to day is not necessarily the best way to do it. But looking at a big picture too, year to date and over the last 12 months, Cigna is down at least eight to nine percent, uh, yeah. depending which one you're looking at. Um, so that's a something market to keep segment in mind where well. everybody else is up. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not like a market segment where everybody's down mm-hmm. because of a of an economic, you know, problem with that whole segment. Everybody else is up and Cigna's down. Um, it just it. it you know, it says they're doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, it says they're doing something wrong. And, and, and remember, this is again another example. You know, years ago, you know, Sigma was trying to be acquired by uh, Anthem mm-hmm. before they were changed to Avalanche or whatever they're called now. That deal didn't go through. And part of that deal is still being litigated because the Anthem folks are suing Sigma, saying Sigma submarine the deal. And part of the reason that they are saying Cigna submarine the deal was because Cigna's CEO um, didn't like being the number two guy. And that's what was going to happen after the deal. And so he killed it. Um, So it's just a lot of things that makes the market very, very nervous. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Ron, uh, as this develops and changes, I'll ask you about it more here on the Flatlining Podcast. We're about out of time today. So thanks for sitting down with me. No problem. Thank you. Miss an episode of the Flatlining Podcast? Well, now you can read a recap. Just go to flatlining.net and look right there on the homepage every Monday for a written recap on last week's episode.